Uh, this morning, I, I want to speak actually on something uh, which is burning in my heart at the moment, and I've entitled it, Your Assignment Should You Choose to Accept It. And, you know, when I was uh, 19, um, Sharon and I joined uh, a charismatic church um, in a small town called Hailsham, where we were had grown up, and uh, this is a church that... Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Maybe been sort of started about um, six or seven years before we we actually joined the church and um, uh, we joined together, uh, and within a few weeks of joining, uh, they had no young adults ministry. They had no um, organized structure for the young adults to join together. And um, But we used to hang out with all of the, the young adults that were there, and we would have prayer times and ministry times on a Sunday night. We didn't do church on a Sunday night, and we would just hang out and pray together. And and it was quickly decided, as was the chaos of those kind of charismatic days, we decided to form, the, I mean, the leaders of the church didn't know anything about it, but we decided to form a young adults group. And, um, and uh, the, the leaders of the church were very happy about it. And, sh- and I became the leader of the group um, by, I don't know actually how that happened. I just did. And uh, I had a friend uh, who was with me. And uh, he'd been in the church since its, um, since its birth. His uh, father was one of the uh, founding fathers of the church. And uh, so he'd always been there. And he was my best friend. And um, so when we uh, were together, I couldn't work out why my friend hadn't been asked. Because when we were leading, I just would ask my friend what I should do. He would tell me. I would tell the group. And everyone, Kevin, that's so wise. We'll do that. And I'm looking at them going, I don't know what I'm doing but I'm doing it. So, uh, so I just carried on. Uh, and what happened with that, uh, with that young adults group that it went from uh, half a dozen to around uh, 70, 80 kids on a Sunday night. Uh, and we would just pray together. It was a church of 300 people. And we would just pray and we would have fellowship and worship and we would, we would just um, believe God for miracles. And when you're, when you're in that age, you know, you're, you're prepared to just kind of believe God for anything. It's a very exciting time. It's the time I, I really, I, I want my young adults to really have that ability to be able to just believe God for adventures and to just push beyond those, those, um, push beyond those sort of boundaries that we often live behind. And you know what happens in church that, that as you get older, you become to be you know, just a little bit more um, uh, cynical or kind of, yeah, yeah, no, we won't do that. But when you're in your 20s, uh, when you're in your teens and your 20s, you're prepared to just push the boundaries out and go, well, let's give it a go. It's kind of like, I remember I was uh, with my brother a few years back, but we were kind of married fathers, you know, with kids and stuff. And we were climbing a tree. Now, me and my brother, we used to climb trees and we would climb to the top of trees. The crazy stuff you do when you're a kid, you know, who remembers doing crazy stuff when you're a kid? You do those sort of things, but you wouldn't do them now, would you? 
you go up the tree and you go, yeah, that's stupid. I ain't doing that. But the beauty of young adults is that, that they don't have that fear. And so they're prepared to push beyond and, and have miracles. And so, so we were in that move and that young adult zone where we're just doing crazy stuff. And what happened is this, is that the church noticed what was happening. Actually, a lot of churches noticed, and we were asked to go and minister into different churches and, and help other churches get their young adults moving as well. And, and what happened was, the, the moment you get noticed, you get asked to do stuff. And because, you know, you, you're successful, you must be able to do anything. And so I got a phone call from my pastor, and he said, Kev, it's the church annual barn dance is coming up, and I want you to organize it. I'm 19. The only thing I've ever organized before is buying a train ticket to get to work. I don't know how to organize a barn dance. You gotta, we didn't have a building, so you've got to hire a hall. Um, you've got to find a band. You've got to hire a band. You've got to feed 300 people. You've got to sort out food. Food! I'm 19. I knew where the fridge was. <laughs> the food was in the fridge. I don't know how it got there, but it did. I would take it out. I would eat it. I could fry an egg. In fact, I could cook a bit, actually. I mean, I could bake a cake. I could make bread. My mother was very insistent on things like that. I, I mean, I could cook for myself, for 300 people. How do you do this thing? I've received a phone call. Kev, you're so successful in ministry. We want you to organize a barn dance. I didn't even know how I was successful in the first place. I just turned up. I was just happy to be a Christian and just say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, louder than everybody else. I think that's why I became a leader. I'm not sure. Something happened and people said, Kev, we'll follow you. And I went around going, people are following me, but I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> and so I have to organize this barn dance. And I mean, it's the annual church barn dance. We're, we're talking 1986. And it's like with shoulder pads and permed hair and flowery Laura Ashley dresses. And... Not me, personally, but... <laughs> and here I am, and I've got to organize this thing. But here's the problem. I've got um, a heart for ministry and to serve the church and, be, and, just, and to do great things for God. I can't afford to fail. <laughs> I mean, this thing has to work. And it's been given to me, and I've had, a, I've had I, all the church leaders, uh, one by one, came around to remind me of different things I had to do. I mean, I had to let the church, you haven't got Facebook, you can't, it wasn't even an internet available for people to, people didn't have computers, apart from one or two smart-ass people. I'm, oh, I can't say that church, can you? <laughs> I never use that word outside of church. And, and so, so there were no, I mean, there's no, you can't, you know, you've got to get a leaflet printed. You have to go to the printer and get it printed and put it, you have, I mean, I'm talking, it's complicated to get these stuff. And, and so I had this assignment given to me and I had a choice, step up or walk away. But I've discovered this. When you step up, God steps in. And so I stepped up. 
to the assignment given to me. And this is what happened. I started getting phone calls from a young adults group that I wasn't really organizing, but I was leading. And they would phone up and say, Kev, um, I want to help. What do you need done? Now, some of those phoning up, actually, uh, one of them became my sister-in-law. She married my brother, and uh, she was a school teacher. Hey, listen, if you want anything organized, ask a school teacher. Because they like lists. And they can hurt small people. And they can get, like, people, who, kids who run around wild, and they can get them in straight lines. Anyone who can do that knows magic. <laughs> they, can, they can fix things. I think it's supernatural, but they can. And so he, she, she was a school teacher and she managed to get everything and she, she helped and everyone gathered together and, and the day came for the barn dance and everything's going off. We've got this band. We don't know where they came from. I don't know where they came from. They're just on there and they, they're playing away and, and everyone's got the food and everyone's eating and dancing. It was an amazing success. And then at the end of the evening, the pastor stood up and he said, I just want to thank Kevin for what he has done in organizing this great event. And everyone, including my future sister-in-law, applauded me. And I'm just standing in bewilderment going, what just happened? I don't know what, how, how did that work? I, I'm, I appreciate the applaud, but I don't know what I, I don't think I actually did anything. I just said to people, we need help. <laughs> what do we do? And people came together and things began to take place. Now, I want you to know that is not a good plan for leadership. <laughs> Don't think you can do life like that. But I want you to know, see when, see, when God comes upon your life and he asks you to do something, there is an assignment upon you. He will begin to open pathways that you might not be qualified for. You may not understand how to do it, but he's assigned you to the task and he will make it happen. It says in the book of Luke, in Luke's gospel, and... Uh, in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, these are the 72 disciples that Jesus had sent out to go and preach a message of hope and life and to, to pray over those who are sick and over those who are controlled by demonic spirits and those who have been involved in the occult and the spiritual world and to deliver them and to set them free. We've got 72 people who've been sent out. And in verse 17, it says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But do not rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. And I think that we have here one of the most extraordinary examples of what it means to receive an assignment and not a ministry. We become in this age obsessed with ministry. I often talk about this is one of my soapbox things. I don't believe that any of us can lay claim essentially to a ministry. Ministry means serving. It doesn't mean a copyrighted call to possess a place and say this is my place in the church and, and this is my right God called these 72 people, we don't know their names they're the people on the outskirts, they're the people on the edge, Jesus has got 12 and he sent the 12 out, but he sent out 72 others who were they? 
We have no idea. Do you know why we've got no idea? Because their names are not important. It's not about who they were. It's about what they did. You see, many of us are looking for something. The world is looking for popularity. It's looking for recognition. And, and in the church, we created and designed a culture that looks for the same kind of popularity. But I, I want you to understand, God just wants you to fulfill your assignment. If you fulfill your assignment, you'll discover your ministry. But ministry flows out of assignment, not assignment out of ministry. Jesus sent them on an assignment to go out. They didn't know what they were going to do. They didn't know what was going to happen. They just said, well, and maybe if we step up, God might step in. And they just stepped up and, and they were amazed. They said, even demons come out when we use your name. They had never experienced anything like this in their life. They weren't qualified. They weren't educated. But they were in relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, there's a critical part of your life. If for you to understand that when God touches you with assignment, He touches you with relationship, that He's placed upon you a position of trust that says, I am releasing you into my purposes to build my church and my kingdom. Don't tell me I can't. Don't say to me, I can't do that. I'm not qualified for this. I'm not in the right place. I, I don't know. I, I don't understand. For sure, we need to give ourselves to learning and to reading and all of those things. But none of those things supersede this initial qualification. And it's this. When God says go, you go. When you hear that call of God upon your life to fulfill. You see, people don't have ministry. They have assignment. When Jesus said to Peter, feed my lambs. Peter was recommissioned in a position where he thought he would never fulfill the dream in his heart ever again. He had experienced utter failure. How many of you know what failure feels like? Actually, I think that unless you do know what failure feels like, you'll never fully appreciate what it is to be successful in the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom is about dying that you might live. And while Peter, he, something died of himself when he walked away from the point of Jesus' arrest. And he walked away crushed in his own heart and his own humanity, knowing his own personal sense of failure that all of his own confession hadn't achieved what he thought he could. He, he was just full of all this bravado and he believed his own bravado. You know, we can believe what we say about ourselves, but there is always a point that God will lead us to where we discover who we really are. And that is not a disaster for your life. That is a point when God's grace is fully revealed in you. And here is Peter, and he's given this commission, feed my lambs. He had no idea what that meant. He just had to accept the assignment. Feed my lambs. He didn't know how that it would affect his life, what terrible things would happen to him, what good things would happen to him. See, when Jesus tells you to do something, he is amazingly void of any detail. And 
God called me and Cheryl to Aberdeen. He just said, go and plant a church. We made up the rest in our head. We had no idea what was going to happen. We just thought it was going to be amazing. We, we imagined going to plant a church in Aberdeen. This is 1995. I'd dreamt since I was 17 that I would plant a church. And I would plant churches across Europe, which is what we do now. But before then, I just dreamt. And when you dream of doing something for God, you, you just dream. You only dream good stuff, don't you? In your dream, your dreams always that you don't, oh, exciting dream. I, I dreamt someone betrayed me. I dreamt that I've said this story many times, but for those of you who've, who've not heard it, I mean, we, we moved up here in, uh, in 95, in 96, uh, March, 3rd of March, 96, we started the church. And by the end of March, 96, we had taken um, on short-term let a, a building of 25,000 square feet for one pound a year. It had a rates tax of a hundred thousand um, pounds uh, uh, building uh, works uh, tax on it, council tax on the building. And um, but we managed to get that all cancelled, and and we moved into this building. There was only a handful of us here uh, at that time. Paul and Judith came around the same time, and um, it was just a really exciting time. But there was these people in the church um, that had issues. And one of the ladies, um, I think you, you, I don't know if you were there, Paul, at the time, but I, I assume you probably were. And uh, there's this woman, Cheryl walks in, and this, this woman just manifests, I mean, just demonic. And she, she was a big lady, she wasn't particularly tall, but she was big in other ways. And she, she literally launches herself at Cheryl and gets her hands, I mean, Cheryl's not big, right? So... She gets her hands round Cheryl's throat and tries to kill her. And she's trying. <laughs> I wasn't there, which is probably just as well because my response would have been less godly. <laughs> and uh, so she gets her hands round Cheryl's throat, and Cheryl just went, "In Jesus' name, get out!" It was probably more like this: "In Jesus' name, get out!" But <laughs> I think we all understand. <laughs> And this woman f- literally flew. I came in as she's flying backwards 20 feet. Just flew back 20 feet. As this demon's cast out of her. It, it, God never mentioned that when he said go plant a church in Aberdeen. He was extraordinarily silent about such issues. <laughs> you know, it's amazing the things you go through. But I, I want you to know that when you step up, God steps in. And he, he didn't tell Peter the details. I want you to understand that the call on your life isn't about this grand ministry. The call on your life is just the sheer excitement of fulfilling the assignment that he has placed upon you. See, all of us are called to assignment as a body is called to fulfill its functions. The the church is described in Corinthians as a body. And a body has different functions. The parts of the body have different functions. And those, those parts of the body are given assignments. And those assignments are to be fulfilled on a regular basis. Now, we are here as a body and there is an assignment which is placed upon your life. And we have to understand how to step up. Because God has got for you much more than you could possibly think see or imagine. It says um, in Matthew chapter 9 
In verse 36, it says this. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. You see, we don't lack opportunity, but we just lack the willingness to go and seek it. To seek what God has given us to do. The Bible says that the harvest is ready and the Lord of the harvest, the one who's in charge of the harvest. See, God's in charge of your blessing. God's in charge of your fulfillment. I've noticed this. As you give your life to Jesus Christ, there's there's actually only one thing that really satisfies you. And that's fulfilling what he's called you to fulfill upon your life. I've noticed that Christians who aren't doing that get really just ratty and irritable. Irritable with themselves and irritable with each other. And I look at them and I think, you know what your problem is? You just need to obey God. You just need to tell someone that Jesus loves them. And you actually just need to give your life over to something that's not about you. I I think that we live in possibly the most selfish, self-centered generation that has walked upon the the earth. When I was driving to Inverness, I was listening to the radio and they were talking about a French philosopher, in fact, the first man who actually coined the word consciousness. And he was a man that created philosophy and the, the birth of philosophy. And philosophy is one of those things which um, the idea about self-consciousness, about who I am, and he created this concept that you can't be sure that anything is real. If I have a table in front of me, I can't be sure that that table's really there. But I can be sure that I thought about whether that table's there or not. Because that's the only thing I can be sure of, my own thoughts. And so he created this concept of philosophy. And I believe since that time that generations have constantly pursued self, 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 self. And even in the church, we're going, well, what's What's my gift? What's my ministry? What's my... And, and we, it's good to find out about yourself. Are you with me here? I'm losing some of you. I can feel it. You're like, but what, what is my ministry? What's my call? Hey, this is your ministry and this is your call. Die to self. Just die to self because I've discovered this. Every time I pursue my own, what I want, it hurts like crazy and gives me no fruit. This is what we're here to do. Not think about self, but think about the harvest that God has given us. It will satisfy you far more greatly. It would feed your heart as you look towards others. You see, God has given us assignment, but your assignment lives out of your own comfort zone. It lives outside of that area. Those 70 people, they didn't know where they were going. You can imagine... You've been on the outskirts. You've been following Jesus. You're part of the crowd. You've got the 12. They're up the front with Jesus, and you're on the back. You're one of the back row believers of Jesus. You're like, yeah, whoa. But you're not, no one really knows your name, but you're still there. And you turn up, and, and then Jesus suddenly turns up. You, I want you to go. Me? What do I know? I'm just in the back row. Oh, I want you to go. And I want you to heal the sick. And I want you to cast out demons. What? 
What do you mean, heal the sick and cut it? I mean, I've watched you do it, and I've watched the 12 do it. I've seen you do crazy stuff, but me? I'm not sure I can do that. I don't think I know how to do that. Yeah, that's okay. I'm not asking you to know how. I'm just asking you to do it. I'm just asking you to go. If you'll step up, I'll step in. And what happened is these, these, these 72 stepped out of their comfort zone, stepped out of that place where they were thinking about themselves. And you know, here's the thing. This is what I want you to, I want you to finish with in this. It says in Luke 10, Now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. Don't take any money with you. This is Luke 10, verse 3. This is the preparation for them going. Now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Here's your final thought. You can't step up unless you're prepared to step down. You see, Jesus says, I'm sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. Our reaction to the world and the, the to serve. See, the word ministry means this, to serve. That's what it means. If you have a heart for the things of God, you want to know what it is to capture a hold of something great. Then I put a challenge out. Recognize what it is. To just let it go. Let go of your own agenda and trust Jesus. Because He won't fail you. And you'll go, but what about my dream? Yeah, it was never really yours in the first place. But here, Rome. You know, I don't know whether this is a especially relevant story, but I want to finish with this. In 2009, after we had sold our house in Bridge of Don, and we discovered that um, the housing market was a bit more chaotic than we hoped for, and we ended up without a house for six months, and we went to live with Chris and Judith Minty, um, and uh, in their house, family of five with a, well there was five or six of them, I don't know how many they, it's a big family right, so it was it was hundreds of us and it's a big house right and it was a great time it was a, it was a, like an extended holiday for us because Judith cooks Chris walked the dog I was served I did the washing up it was fabulous but we were praying for a home had we just lost a house and would we end up with less than something before? But here's the thing, right? I don't play piano. I mean, I could tell you what the chords are, but I don't play. But in my heart, I've always had this dream that I'd have a house with a grand piano in it. Just always. Right? But it's those, one of those stupid dreams that you don't even give to God because, I mean, like, it's a grand piano. Who gives a rip? You know, there are more important things in life. So we are homeless for six months. You know why we were homeless for six months? Because God was preparing a house for us. The only house that was for sale in the whole of the northeast of Scotland that had a grand piano in it. 
and God got, and we walked in and it was this beautiful house we didn't buy it because of the piano but we're walking around this is beautiful this is wow I love this house oh wow I love it. it's got a piano yeah yeah we're not taking the piano you can have the piano it's got a room with a grand piano in it. and that grand piano has become a central point for many guests and many our kids and they come and play and we just sing around the piano and friends come and they play and it's I've, Cheryl will sit and play the piano and I just sit down and read and God ministers to my heart I, I want you to know something God will take care of you he will take care of the little things but I found I died a lot in 2009 to myself I learned to lean on him because I discovered I had nothing else I had no home I had the prospect of no money and I thought I'd end up with nothing had a house now have nothing will I ever even be able to afford to get what I had before would I have to have to settle for something less but God had a plan that was far greater he has greater plans for you but you've got to know what it is to step up to the assignment that he's called you to. And the beginning of that assignment is, Lord, I give up on me and I step up to you. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.